Welcome to True Mysteries, Stories of the Strange and Unexplained. I'm your host, Kit Crum, and Friday I started giving away book one of the Ryan Clare Adventure series, the thriller Body Parts. So I'm still giving them away, and all you have to do is email me at kitkcrum at gmail.com, and I'll send you a code and an explanation how to use it. It's fairly simple to get you free access to a full novel that's been turned into an audio book. And I thought I would read the kind of a tease about the book uh, since I'm still giving them away. And this is a, an adventure series. And it should have been just another routine call for Ryan Clare Anderson, owners and operators of a private ambulance service in Ashland, Oregon. But when the DOA they deliver to the hospital goes missing, they're Routine turns deadly. Greedy doctors involved in black market organ harvesting innocent girls lured to the lucrative triple X film business. Sex, murder, deception in a small Oregon town. It's all there in body parts, and it's all there for you for free. Contact me at kitkcrum at gmail.com. Tell me you want a free copy of the audio novel thriller, Body Parts, and it's all yours. Right now, I've got Ray Ruckus sitting next to me, thumping on the floor with <laughs> nervous anticipation of the next steps in his quest to explain where Billy went. Uh, go ahead, take it away, Ray. Oh, thank you, kid. I was uh, lucky over. I read from a manuscript of my stories because I have over 400 that I have mentioned ad nauseum that are going into my book, Paranormal Reader's Bedside Companion. And if I don't have them down on paper, then I begin to ad lib and, oh boy, it becomes a big mess. Well, this is a story of a boy, an 11-year-old, who was performing in Oatman, Arizona on his Stingray bicycle with some other kids doing a j series of jumps over tires. What happened was when Billy did it, the bike landed and crashed, but Billy was gone. Then he was found three days later, 1,500 miles away in the Shiloh, Tennessee. Uh, I've been tracing Billy based on the last episode. I had been contacted. I found that Billy was incarcerated as an adult in a federal penitentiary, and I queried that penitentiary to find out about Billy, get a description, and I was contacted by the FBI. They wanted to know why I wanted to know this. Anyway, I had an interesting story and a series of events that linked together giving it credence, but nothing really solid. Dealing with phone calls, receiving emails do not truly make a story, but I just couldn't let it drop. I assumed that Billy's parents were deceased, or at least out of the picture, but someone must have known him between the time he was discovered in Tennessee as a child and his incarceration in a federal prison. I started this new search with Child Protective Services, first in Arizona, then in Tennessee, where he turned up. All people that might have been involved were either retired and a few had passed away. His records had been archived and for the most part sealed. Dead end. I re-examined my progress since first scanning the FBI report and realized that I'd essentially been conducting what amounted to a, was a miss, missing person case. Surprised uh, that I'd kind of forgotten the knowledge uh, that I had gained about the doctor that had removed a Civil War miniball from a young boy, 11-year-old Billy's thigh. And that's what kept me going. It just seemed too weird. Still, I decided to take a look at uh, children involved in the Civil War. And it was a simple search to determine that preteens as young as 10 were often horse tenders and wagon tenders and never really fought and were on the 
outskirts of many confrontations in any battle. I contacted the museum at Shiloh Military Park for any information on children involved in the battle. Next, I placed an ad in several newspapers in both Tennessee and Arizona asking for information on William or Billy's Falstaff. I actually received a, a few days later call from Virginia Falstaff Smith. That was Billy's sister. Wow, jackpot, I thought. My first question was the most difficult. Did she know that Billy had escaped from prison? She laughed and said he hadn't escaped, that they'd lost him, that they were transferring him from Marion to a medium, from a medium security prison to a minimum security, and when the bus arrived, he wasn't on board. After a few awkward moments, my continued questions, this was not a happy person. And after a few more questions, she let me know in no uncertain terms that it was going to cost me to continue. I let her go. In 37 years, he must have had a girlfriend or something. I felt if I could put together Billy's character, I might be able to track him by employment. The problem was what I did in Arizona, I had to do in Tennessee, where the boy was found. A heavy knock on my door one evening pulled me away from my computer. I checked the time. It was almost six. I opened the door and stood facing a young man of about 30 that could have been a salesman until he opened his mouth. I talked to Virginia, who said you might be willing to pay for information on her brother, he said. I didn't make the connection for a minute, and then it just came out. Oh, Billy, I said. Yeah, well, Billy, what do you want to know? I can't pay anything, I told him. He made a face. Don't worry about it. How did you know Billy? I asked. He said he knew he wa who he was. He sat on the bus in front of me. You were being transferred to a minimum security facility, is that correct? Yes, he said, that's right. He was a real easygoing guy. Didn't talk much. He ever mentioned anything in his childhood, I asked. If you're asking about how he got shot in the leg, yeah. Okay, so, so far I'd communicated with Billy's sister, who wanted to be paid for information on him. She did provide a picture of him just before he was arrested and incarcerated. Once again, I hit a dead end. That was until I was visited at my office in Ashland, Oregon by Tony Gale. He's the man that knocked on the door I described as being about 32. He was busy Billy's cellmate and rode on the bus with him. He had been on the bus with Billy and they got to chatting. He said he got my name from Billy's sister with whom he had been in touch. The only thing I got out of Mr. Gale was that Billy always said that he was a child of the Civil War and that when they were lined up, ready to be checked into the bus, Bill had told me that he'd never make it. After a number of phone calls, I determined that Billy was definitely checked onto the bus and that the bus made no stops and was manned by an experienced driver and two guards and was followed by an escort vehicle. Great. Now it was back to the initial question, where did Billy go? Before I let the story go, I decided to email the picture of Billy as a young man to the daughter of the doctor who extracted the mini ball from Billy's thigh. Again, I was ready to bag the story. Then I received a phone call from Escondido, California. It was the daughter of the doctor that had treated Billy. I was thunderstruck when she said she found him. He was, she was in the Shiloh bookstore across from the Shiloh National Cemetery on the back wall of the bookstore were dozens of photos of Union soldiers in various dress, including the drummer boy. She took the picture with her uh, on her iPhone and emailed it to me as an attachment. 
but what she saw on the wall. There was no mistaking that the drummer boy was Billy. But the shocker was the name. Below the photo, it read Union Drummer Billy Falstaff, killed at the Battle of Pittsburgh, landing April 7, 1862. But she went one step further and visited the Shiloh National Cemetery and found a headstone. Billy Falstaff, born in 1814, died 1862. That would have made him 48 years old, the same age as Billy Falstaff that vanished from the prison bus. Now, of the hundreds of stories I've aired, I uh, ended up doing more research on this one, more time invested and money invested in the one ads I put out. I know I'll have a lot of skeptics of this story, so I'll put down some facts. Oatman, Arizona, where 11-year-old Billy vanished in front of 22 adult witnesses, is now a tourist ghost town with a population of a little over 128. The only witness to the vanishing I found was William Howard, and I located him. He was 94 at the time, talked with him. He has since passed away. He was in a uh, uh, nursing facility uh, just outside of uh, Apache Junction, Arizona. That Billy vanished from the prison bus couldn't be explained away, or could it? I don't know. But what can't be explained is the picture in the bookstore and on the headstone with the name in the Shiloh National Cemetery. Of course, there is also the Civil War era mini ball that was taken from the upper thigh of an 11-year-old boy found wandering the cemetery 1,500 miles from where the FBI said he was abducted. And that is, like I said, the most bizarre story I have run into. That is the story of where Billy went. Kit, I have been called away to San Jose, California to help solve a mystery at the Winchester Mystery House there, Kit. I will be gone a couple weeks. So for your listeners, I am giving Kit copies of my mysteries that he will continue to read but the voice of Ray Ruckus will be silent for a couple weeks while I'm in San Jose at the Winchester Mystery House. And you can bet I'll come back with one heck of a story in about two, two and a half weeks. So this is Ray Ruckus saying thanks for listening. And Kit Crum, thank you very much. And I will be reading Ray Ruckus Mysteries for the next two and a half weeks or however long he's gone. Thanks again for listening.